blackscholarspublishing.com. That uh, we should get our own. Once we have our own, uh, we're respected for the fact that we can create our own. And uh, that's equality right there. Welcome to the Black Scholars Podcast, a community for black educators. My name is Leonard Andre Wilson Jr. I am your host. I am CEO, marketing director, CFO, everything for Black Scholars Publishing LLC which houses this podcast along with the Three Bearded Kings podcast. You can find this podcast on iTunes. Yes, we are finally on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Podbean. So those are all free apps. You can download them whether you have an iPhone or if you have an Android. This is episode number three. I know, I am confident that you guys are going to enjoy this episode. This episode features Ariel Nicole Wright. She's an excellent educator, excellent teacher, excellent spirit. Uh, I met Ariel at one of my friends, um, if you're in the Memphis area, Tea Time with Tories events uh, at a church, actually. Um, and then we just connected online when I realized that she was an educator. And as soon as I started the show, she was one of the first people I reached out to. Like, hey, you've got a dope spirit and people need to hear it. Um, be sure to follow us on IG, um, which is at the Black Scholars Podcast. Again, at the Black Scholars Podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at Black Scholars O-N-L at Black Scholars O-N-L. Feel free to send us an email uh, at the Black Scholars Podcast at gmail.com. Again, the Black Scholars Podcast at gmail.com. Um, thank you for those who have left reviews on iTunes. We got a 4.5 out of 5. I really wanted us to have a 5, but uh, that just means that I need to get better. And like any scholar, I take that challenge. Um, as King T'Challa would say, I accept your challenge. Let's get into the show. Well, tell me a little bit about you um, as far as, you know, where are you teaching? What grade? What subject? Mm -hmm. Have you always taught that grade and subject? Have you always taught at that school? Yeah, all of the background information. I got you. Okay, well, I've only taught three years. I've just ended my third year teaching, so I'm still fairly new in the game. I teach at Freedom Preparatory Academy, the Westwood campus, and I've only taught mm -hmm. fifth grade. Now, as far as subject, um, last year I taught reading, but in my previous two years, I've taught everything but social studies. So I pretty much know the fifth grade curriculum, every subject, but social studies. So what got you into teaching? What got you into education? 
being completely honest, sure. <laughs> I did not want to teach at all. So I feel like me teaching definitely has, for me personally, it's like a calling. Like God wanted me to teach. And I say everything from how I got back to Memphis because I was in Illinois, went to college in Illinois. I thought I was going to be a doctor by now. I don't want to teach. I didn't want any parts of teaching. So you said you went to school in Illinois? Yes, I did. What school was that? Greenville College. It's a small, private, Christian, liberal arts college. It's by about 45 minutes away from St. Louis. So it's southern Illinois then? Yes. Okay, okay. And But you're originally from Memphis? I am. I moved to Illinois in high school when my dad graduated from there, stayed close because my little sister was a few years behind me. When she left, I eventually came back home. You know, there are a lot of teachers who are in the classroom um, really for the wrong reason. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. And you can tell. Like, it's obvious, you right? You can. It's obvious. And the <laughs> kids are the people who can tell first. Definitely. Definitely. Because some of them, you know, they could play it off and, you know, they know the they know their research, you know, they know their data, you know, they mm-hmm. know the strategies so they can have an intellectual conversation. You know, they went to school, you know, they got the degree, they right. got the certification. So you can have a conversation with them. But when you see them in a class, you're like, eh. You're just kind of doing this, aren't you? Yeah, you're just getting a check. You're just getting a check. Um, So really what we want to focus in, uh, or focus on rather, is why teachers need grit too. So first, how would you actually define grit? Mm, That's a good one. I guess for me, grit is really the ability to not just persist, but persevere under literally any and every circumstance. It's like that backbone that you can't teach people. Like, it's very hard to say, oh, you can teach somebody how to have grit. It's kind of this thing you either got or you can attain the gift for yourself, but no one can, like, give it to you. It's definitely internal to me. And there's definitely a billion uh, peer-reviewed articles out there, non-peer-reviewed articles out there about um, can you teach grit? Like, can you teach grit to kids? Um, there are some, but there's not a lot to talk about actually teaching grit to educators or looking right. for looking for grit. There's some out there, but there's not a, a lot. And uh, I think that's a good area for us to actually focus on. Um, so why do you think teachers actually need grit? Why is it important? I think it's important because the job is so demanding for you to bring your whole self. Like it's not just your physical, it's your mental, your emotional. You literally have everything on the table when you're teaching. And a lot of that stuff goes home with you. So you also have to have that balance. But if you don't really have the grit to understand what that ultimate goal is, it can easily get lost. And then you get the teachers who are just there to get a check or you get the teachers who used to be great, but then something happened or their data didn't look good that year. And now they falling off the wagon. So it definitely keeps you grounded. I definitely agree with that. Do you think that there is a correlation or even a causation between um, grit and a teacher's effectiveness? Absolutely. I think it absolutely is because of the same reason. The teachers who are showing grit, they are clear on their buy-in. They clear on their purpose. So once you know the purpose and the ultimate goal, in my opinion, it's a lot easier to say, you know, whatever happens, I'm still going to do this. Or whatever comes our way, we'll figure out a way because at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about these kids. And we have to be our best selves every step of the way that we can in order to help these kids meet these goals. So I think the teachers 
who are very clear on whatever their ultimate goal or finish line is for them, it's easier to have that grit to keep you going, essentially. Definitely. Um, And you talked about this. You said your aunts were educators? Yes. Okay. Um, And it seems like they were highly effective educators as, as, as well, right? Oh, yeah, they were. I remember watching them go through the National Board certification process. And I, oh, wow. I, yeah, like, they don't even have that anymore. But I remember their videos, and I remember them staying up late at night and making these projects. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, school is over. Why are you still <laughs> up? And I remember them being so excited once they, because they're sisters, and they both end up getting certified. And you'll still find them as Miss Wright, and they, but they teach in public schools. So, yeah, they rocked it out. So it seems like they were willing to make sacrifices. Like you said, you wanted to get off at a decent hour, be able to, you know, go home, relax, or do whatever you wanted to do without having to worry about work, obviously. And maybe this is a mis... Well, I know it's a a misconception, but a huge misconception, and I've heard this before, teachers have it easy, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) They get summer breaks. Holidays and breaks. Right, you get holidays off. Um, you get summer breaks. What mm-hmm. else do they say? Um, you just stand in front of a, a, a group of kids. Just and, <laughs> yeah, you just you just tell them what to do. You know, you just give a sign. Here, here's an assignment. Um, you have software now that grades everything. Um, yeah. Or they say it's not like they care about them anyway. They just get in the check. No, not not every teacher. Not every teacher is like that. Um, and so you spoke about, um, previously, you know, sacrifices, like there are certain sacrifices that have to be made. What sacrifices do you think that, uh, someone who is an educator and who wants to be the best at what they do, what do they need to do as far as sacrifices? Um, I think first you need to really show a lot of humility and honesty with yourself. Like, what are you really here for? What are your real intentions with it? I know to some people teaching is just another job, but it's really not once you get into it. So really understanding your purpose there for me is the first step. And then, which is probably one of the biggest sacrifices, is getting rid of selfishness, like that mindset of, oh, the holidays are going to be So all I got to do is make it to the holiday, but not really understanding the level of work you're doing and what is required for it. Like you're really shaping the minds of people. Like they're children, but these are people. And their lives really, really matter. And you being in front of them is important. I don't think we always see or value the importance of a teacher or the role a teacher plays in students' lives. Definitely. Um, so knowing your purpose, what, what other sacrifices would you say that educators need to be effective, to be great? Knowing your purpose. Um, for me, one of the things I definitely sacrifice a lot is time. Definitely. Yes. I started teaching straight out of undergrad. Like I graduated in May. I started teaching in November. And I guess I wasn't really aware of how much time that it required. I mean, I saw my aunts do it and I saw other people do it and I saw professors at every level. But when you really care about the job you're doing, you can stay up all night, night after night, like weeks at a time, making sure the lesson is right or making sure you scaffold it for this student or that student is so it's so selfless and i think a lot of times we don't really understand it until you're in it yeah i get confused when i see um 
And there's there's two different type of well, I mean, there's several different types of teachers, but the mm-hmm. perception. So you have the perception of the teacher that is there to like until they kick them out, basically, like it's seven, eight o'clock at night. And it's like, OK, you got to go home now. And yeah. then there's a perception of a teacher that as soon as it's time where you can, you know, punch out <laughs> that yeah. you punch out and you run out of there. Now, I've been perception wise both. But I was gonna say, I've been both. <laughs> I've been both, but here's the thing. Even if you see me leave early, that just means that I have something else immediately to do. (laughs) Yeah, I'm leaving the building early. That does not mean that my work has stopped. Trust me, when I when I get home or I might stop at, you know, Starbucks or Barnes and Noble, I have my book bag, my laptop with me. I got all of my students' papers or I have, you know, whatever uh text that we're using and I get down to work like Everywhere. I, I look at everything as my office. It could be right. a restaurant. <laughs> everywhere is a, you know, everywhere is a potential office. So I just think that's interesting that, you know, there's this perception of, oh, they're a, you know, my school, we get out at 2.15 every day. What about for you guys? Well, we used to get out at like 4, okay. but they privyed us to getting out at 3. So this year we're oh, nice. getting out at 3. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, so definitely time is a huge sacrifice that um, if you want to be great at what you do in that classroom, you definitely have to sacrifice time. Um, What about money? And and we can go and we can go a lot of different ways with that. When I say money, let's focus first on in your classroom. How have you had to spend money in your classroom? (laughs) Oh, yeah, because the budget that we have, I feel like. Things are so pricey, and where's where's the place we go to get things? Um, Knowledge Tree. So by the time I buy pencils or right. pencil sharpener, it's about gone. Knowledge Tree so, is expensive. Do you guys get? It is. Do you and guys get budget, like a, a teacher fund or, or something? You yeah, can, the okay. teacher the teacher fund or the teacher budget, and then you have only a certain amount of time frame where you can use it. So by the time you get the things you really want, it's a right. process of ordering on Amazon and then giving us receipts. And I just go buy it. Like my kids need it. It's it's yeah. too much of a hassle. Yeah, school's already started. We can't wait. Yeah, um, and most of the time it's not enough. Like the funds, it's just not enough there. So you come, I've come out of pocket a, probably a lot more this year uh-huh. because I got more incentive with my students, and then it really helped them buy into everything we're doing. Uh, how much, out of curiosity, is yours? At, at my school, we get two hundred dollars. Oh, I think ours maybe it's one hundred or one fifty, but it's definitely not. I don't think it's two hundred. Yeah, ours is $200, and it used to be $100, but um, what we used to do is take the other $100, and we would have to basically split it up um, amongst ourselves, and it was used for copy paper and toner and all that stuff. Well, something changed with the board policy or something like that, and basically Mm -hmm. they made it where, no, we get that full amount, and the school budget is responsible for the copy paper, and the, so yeah, yeah, so now. I would say my school has done good at that. They've never made us, you know, do the copy paper or the other things like that. So what was ours was ours. I would give them that. Now, is that, um, do you guys only get a small portion of that every month, or do you have access to all of the copy paper in the world you want? As far as I know, hopefully I haven't been doing it wrong. They haven't really told us you're limited to certain copies. So I think okay. I've heard that before. You can only make a certain amount or you can only use it at this time. But we're pretty much have free reign without copiers. I'm jealous. The thing nice. is, if you want it to be in color, then you have to go to the office because we don't really have access to a lot of those. Just one. Yeah, we get four reams of paper for an entire month. 
And, uh, yeah, so, you know, so everybody's always looking for a hookup at my school. Uh, oh, yeah. Who knows somebody that works at, you know, Office Depot or Walmart. Can we get a, you know, a discount? Yeah, it's, 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 it's rough. And don't, the wolves are out there. Don't accidentally leave some paper in oh, the no. uh, lounge no. or, yeah, it's gone. It's gone. You already know. Don't, don't go back looking for it. It's gone. And you'll never, and you don't know who took it. Because we all took it. Somebody took it. <laughs> right. Somebody took some of it. It was left in the printer, so I needed my things. And I don't know whose it was. I just needed my paper. So, yes. you know. See, I never physically take it. I'll just leave it in there and start using it. Like, I'll start making my copies. Like, hey, for real. So That's how rough it, it is. Secondhand. You secondhand take it. Basically, basically. Usually what I end up doing actually is... um actually buying like one just big box from like walmart or office depot and that pretty much will like help me when i'm low on certain months and then other times so usually i buy about one but you know it is a sacrifice if your kids need something school is started like you said you go to knowledge tree or some mm-hmm. of these educational schools are you guys allowed to spend your funds on teacher pay teachers or are you a fan of teachers pay teachers I'm a fan of teachers pay teachers. I don't know if we can, but I know I personally always use that. That's been my go-to. Yeah, and my goal, because my dad is an accountant, so maybe I can have him or um, it'd be nice to maybe someone who used to be a teacher and transition over into being an accountant or vice versa and ask them, like, what's the best way to handle those expenses tax-wise? Because... Everybody knows about what is it two fifty two hundred fifty dollars you can use as a deductible every year, um, which is nothing in comparison to what <laughs> yeah. you actually spend. Because um, similar to you, like I've given my kids pizza parties for growth uh, in between, you know, common assessments or we yeah. do maps. Um, I've literally bought them food like from chick-fil-a or somewhere we've had we've even had like a chick-fil-a party and it was like 12 kids who showed like extreme growth and it was me and them during lunchtime yeah but that stuff is expensive so it's very very so i hold on to everything even though i know according to irs guidelines for forever i think it's only been like 250 dollars that we can claim i spend a lot more than 250 dollars on my kids not even necessarily just on the classroom just trying to motivate them um because i mean kids are kids they don't yeah you know they don't have the uh intrinsic motivation like you know most of us do as adults so it's like they need to see something yeah uh, they need to see like what do i get yeah and kids love money kids love money so definitely and, and food kids love food they definitely love candy uh any anything sweet or anything that will help them um do what they're trying to do so definitely yeah um yeah, so that's pretty cool. So on the other side of that, as far as sacrificing pay, have you, and I recently posted this on Instagram um, at Black Scholars, the Black Scholars podcast, and I'm going to ask you this. Have you considered, now I know you've only been in there for three years, mm-hmm. but have you seriously considered, I might want to do something else long term. Have you thought about switching already at some point? Oh, yeah, I have. Um, just because I do think teaching is a calling for me, but I don't think it's long-term for me. I know my ultimate goal is to still become a medical doctor and to do those things. So I take on little classes here and there, actually plan to start some this fall. Okay. But yeah, I've definitely had that thought. (laughs) Definitely. What part of, um, medicine do you want to practice or 
What part of, uh, what kind of doctor? Initially, I wanted pediatrics because clearly I love children. Yeah. But now I'm thinking more in vitro fertilization. I can still have the lab thing going. Or I'm going back and forth like, hey, I can do physical therapy. I've been an athlete. I saw that part. I love that too. So somewhere in the exercise science realm. Dope. That'd be awesome. Um, so what would you need to do to apply for med school? Um, now I probably have to retake um, maybe about three to five classes with them being two probably been extra psychology and gen chem and like organic chemistry or something and go from there. But my route to it has been considering actually kind of going backwards. Okay. Um, I have a lot of the credits where I could go ahead and sign up for like Southwest RN program. It's like four semesters, but at the end of it, you can be an RN, take your test. So that route would be a lot quicker than just going back initially to apply to med school if I'm going MD route. Now, it may be a little bit easier to go to the osteopathic medicine route, the OD, but that's not really what I want. Okay. Okay. So if you went the RN route, would you actually have to work as an RN? Yeah. Okay. And that get you to medical school quicker? It, it kind of. I mean, either way, it's, it's a journey, but it just kind of depends on if I want a little bit more flexibility with it, that'd okay. be better for me. And I think that would be also an opportunity for you with your education background yeah. um, mm-hmm. to step into, well, what do they call medical doctors who teach other medical doctors? I know on the nurse side, it's the nurse practitioner, but what does that look like for an actual physician? I never even looked into that. Yeah. Cause it, cause they obviously there's doctors who train doctors and coach mm-hmm. them and yeah. Yep. Yeah. So something like a nurse practitioner, but the doctor <laughs> side doctor of it. Version. Yeah. The doctor <laughs> version. Yeah. Yeah. That'd yeah. be dope. That'd be dope. And maybe they just become professors right at the med schools yeah. or something. So that would be dope. Awesome. Um, so let me see. We talked about, uh, what sacrifices let's summarize here. We talked about pay, uh, just yeah. now we talked about, uh, hours so time so definitely Mm -hmm. time um what about the learning part of it like constantly having to be on top of your game having to research your craft having to research different strategies professional development what about that side i actually like the continuous learning part me too i'm okay with being like forever a student and i like being challenged in that way i feel like a lot of um academics or that that aspect of it kind of comes easy to me. So I like the challenge of continuously learning or continuously this thing. Now it doesn't mean I always like going to PD that I won't say that. Why not? But <laughs> I'm okay with the continuous learning curve, I guess. It is a sacrifice though, because it's like, dang, am I never good enough? Or do I never know enough? I just got this skill and now we changing it. Yep. That's usually how it works. So uh, you said sometimes you don't enjoy going to PDs. Why not? I don't know. I guess I'm like the kids in that aspect. They're boring. Yeah, they're boring. Like you see that contradiction? Like the contradiction. So, you know, um, at least at my school, how we've been taught is that, you know, at this grade level and I'm uh, I've got grades six through eight. So whatever the kids age is. So if I got a 12 year old, a 13 year old, a 14 year old, as far as direct instruction is concerned, it shouldn't exceed in minutes what the kids age are. So for my sixth graders, I can't do direct instruction much past 12 minutes, seventh grade, 13 minutes. No, that's just like a guideline, right? 
Now, of course, <laughs> yeah. we go over that. You know, that's not always. <laughs> but, like, consistently, that's where we try to stay. Because research, you know, shows that, you know, especially nowadays, kids got ADHD, whether it's oh, diagnosed yeah. or, you know, or not. And they can't stay focused, right? They can't stay focused for a long period of time. So the pacing in the classroom has got to bounce around, right? And yeah. you got to get kids involved it should be student-centered but when we go to these professional developments i don't know about you we don't move we sit at the same table everyone sits Mm -hmm. with you know everybody's got their own little clique that they sit next to like this is my department this is my friends this is who we sit Uh with we don't move um if they do provide us some type of snack it's always something unhealthy that will probably <laughs> look that will probably make us even more tired even stop more. supplying us these sugary carbs i don't want any donuts i'm trying to i'm trying to get healthy i'm trying to get my shape right what, what, what are you talking about i don't i don't want any donuts i'm tired of the donuts mr wilson you want a donut no, no. i don't eat donuts i don't <laughs> You're going to turn into a donut eating all these donuts. I don't want a donut. Seriously. Yeah, they are pretty boring. But I know my school is trying to not make them as boring. Like, we'll get up and we'll move to another classroom. And this is if they're, like, all day. Okay. Because once I first started um, at Freedom Prep my first year, we were having PD every single Friday. Wow. Like, On a Friday? And we would get there. We would leave about 4.45, 5 o'clock. Like, our kids would get out a whole hour <laughs> early. And they still get out early on Fridays. Except now we don't have them as often. We maybe have one or two every month. So it's not as bad. But That's not as bad. But on a Friday? On on a Friday is when we have our PDs. Did anyone ever ask, like, why Fridays? Why can't we do it on a different day? (laughs) I guess we never asked why because they figured, well, the kids have left early. So, you know, this is their time. Well, no, I mean, we got lesson plans and data to, you know, to analyze and papers to grade. We got work to do. We don't necessarily have to be here. And they have, and we really, really expressed that. And they've built in a few times where they have work time for this amount of time, and then we're going to come here and have these groups you meet there. So they try, I would definitely say they're trying to hear us out, but we just got to be more adamant about speaking up about it. Yeah, I think. They have to listen. I would recommend they change that date. Ours is on Monday. And so, yeah, most of us hate Mondays anyway. So it doesn't matter. It's like, okay, this day is trash anyway. So you might as well just take another. Just throw everything in on this day. Yeah, throw the whole day away, right? So, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, ours is on Mondays. Um, Typically, every Monday after school, we've got something, whether it's a faculty meeting or a PLC or... um, we meet with our departments or we might work with our partners, you know, depending on, you know, your subject that you teach or whatnot. Um, so that's pretty much our Mondays for the most part, but yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, the PDs on Friday is pretty much the whole school throughout the week. Of course you have your meet, your weekly check-ins. Oh yeah. I got more. Uh, oh yeah. We have more. On <laughs> <laughs> Wednesdays and... was my content team meeting. Um, and then on when was it? Tuesday was my grade level meeting. Right. And every other, what was it? Monday, Thursday, Friday. At some point, I still met with my dean of academics to go over like data. So every day I was meeting with somebody. Wow. Every day. And for those who don't know, listeners, um, 
Freedom Prep is in Memphis, Tennessee. It's a charter school, but it's not just any charter school. They definitely uh, strive to be the best overall. I think that's pretty consistent. Uh, And it's definitely one of the better charter schools that exists, not even just in Memphis, but the entire state and this, this entire region, like the entire South. It just, you know, they want excellence and they demand excellence. So uh, definitely I'm kind of not surprised that you have a lot of (laughs) work to do and meetings to attend. Um, That makes sense. Cause I mean, it it takes, like we said, sacrifice. It takes hard work. We work hard. We work hard. Definitely. Definitely. But Um, what I will say is they never like try to shy away from it. It's not like they're like, Oh, you're going to get to go home. Let it up from like, Hey, this, you know, (laughs) it's just not like a job. This is kind of like your life too. You know, we're trying to better lives. These are the core values we have. This is our mission and our vision. And to get there, you know, we got to do some things that we don't like. Definitely. (laughs) You got to put in some extra time. Definitely. They tell you up front. This is the money team, hard work, dedication. (laughs) Absolutely. I like it. I like it. Um, You mentioned data. I wanted to ask you uh, at our school, we do something called, and we're still talking about sacrifices guys. Um, we do something called SDIS. Do you guys do anything similar to that? And what SDIS is, is basically each teacher has to analyze their data um, after, you know, common assessment or whatnot. And we have a presentation within our departments that we have to present. Usually an administrator is in there and is literally uh, us analyzing the data, looking at the patterns that we've noticed and coming up with real solutions that um, we can follow, strategies we can we can utilize moving forward to improve, mm-hmm. you know, the the students' performance. Do you guys do anything like that? Yeah, we do something similar okay. um, because what they try to do is we started a new process where we were kind of looking at data not just from the assessment aspect, but let's look at like the daily exit tickets. So we pick mm-hmm. that's that's one of the reasons why I met with my dean of academics a lot. We pick maybe a Thursday or Wednesday's exit ticket and we go over it Friday. What you'll do is, because we're not just teaching one classroom of fifth graders, we have I have 90 students that I will essentially assess and I will group them by class and go through, hey, this was the trend, this is what I noticed, when do you see the standard come up again, what does it look like on the assessment, so you can kind of have a one-up before they take the test. And that was our D3, like you call it that, your D3 data dive. But we also have our um, laser, is what we call it. And it was when we would look at the assessment data pretty much in the same sense. So we had two different ways of really looking at it. You know, I think I would enjoy Freedom Prep, but I think I'd only... <laughs> no, seriously, because that's the type of... I mean, not to diss my school, because my school, we do great work, and pretty much everyone there is data-driven, like it's the culture. Um, but I'd, I'd like to see it at a higher level, but I'd yeah. only want to do it like short term so I can take it and bring it back to my school. So right. I, I wish we had a program like that. Like, hey, Freedom Prep, I'm coming for one year. I'm teaching English. I'm going to steal all of your strategies and then I'm going to bring them back to my school. OK, cool with that. We'll make that work. All right. No, I'm joking. Um, that's good. So. You would you can let me ask you this. Would you consider yourself a great teacher or, or, or a really good teacher? I would give myself a good teacher okay. only because I'm like my biggest critic. You're I know supposed I'm to be. Work hard, but yeah. yeah, definitely. I would give myself good. I have the potential to be great, but I would give myself good right now. Yeah. And, so, and self-reflection, that is the key to becoming great is, you know, taking, you know, the feedback that you receive from observations, your kids' mm-hmm. data, you know, everything. Um, 
everything and just looking at it and assessing and saying, how can I improve? How can I get better? How can I be more effective? Uh, How can I get parents more involved? How can I add more student engagement? It's just constantly just, (laughs) yeah, it's a constant process. Um, So as a good teacher, now you probably weren't as good as you are now your first year, right? Right. What sacrifices did you personally have to make to reach the level that you're at now? Um, I guess I had to get over myself. Coming in my first year, um, I was very confident because I taught science and my undergrad degree is in biology. So when I came back the following year, I was in reading, I was math, I was the guided reading, which later switched to LLI. And I kind of, I didn't feel that confidence anymore. And I had to get to a place where I would, had to be very humble and ask for help. And I was a person who always kind of knew the answer or knew how to find the answer. So I didn't really like feeling in that I don't know type of um, atmosphere, I guess. So once I kind of got over that idea of a, a know-it-all, I guess that would be the best way to explain it, I became more comfortable and confident in my abilities because I was terrified. I'm like, the kids are behind in both reading and math. You want me to teach both subjects? I've never taught either one of them. Like, wow. help. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and like, looking forward as you, you know, strive to become, you know, great, you know, whether you, you know, stay in the classroom for another year or two or, you know, however that timeline works out, um, I know that you want to be great. What future sacrifices do you think you'll have to make? Well, actually, um, I took a big step this year because I, I don't, I don't want to say I'm uncomfortable with change, but I like being very, very sure of things. Okay. And I guess after getting over the idea of noticing what was going on in the classroom and seeing how kids respond to me, the teachers. I kind of felt I felt obligated to want to do more, even though in my mind, I'm like, you're doing everything. Like, how could you possibly take on other roles? Which is how I ended up becoming um, the grade level chair from this previous year. Okay. And and they sat me down and was like, this is going to take and it's going to take this. And I felt confident. And then I was like, oh, God, like (laughs) these teachers are really looking to me to give them guidance. And it was actually ended up being a really, really strong year for me. And I think this year. I wouldn't say alone, but it definitely left the mark in my new position next year. So it's just sacrificing really the idea of, I think we have to know that we can be confident in ourselves too. We constantly need that reassurance, just like the kids and not being afraid to not just ask for it, but to notice it, like give yourself some credit. Like you're not, (laughs) you're not horrible. It's just, it's just demanding. Like, it's a lot. You can do it, but you got to be willing to know, hey, I'm great here, but I really need to work on this part. Definitely. Yeah. Self-reflection, self-assessment. Perfect. Have you, um, and I'm just curious here, have you started to, as you become more comfortable as an educator, you become, you know, more of a expert at what you do and what you do best have you started to branch out outside of the school and I know that might sound crazy because obviously you have a lot to do within that building but have you started to look at different opportunities that maybe the state might offer or any other organization I actually haven't on my own but I'm I'm interested in it Um, especially next year I won't be in a classroom I'll actually be a dean of students so clearly I I made connections with kids so I'm 
I'm definitely looking forward to those opportunities to connect with and network different people outside of just our building. So that'll be my next step. So Dean of Students, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, um, because I had a conversation with an educator recently who's a Dean of Students at a charter school. She's not in Memphis. I can't remember exactly where she is, South Carolina, somewhere. I can't remember. Um, but she was basically explaining what a Dean of Students does. Basically, are you going to be like a liaison between teachers and the administrators? Is that yes, correct? that's that's my understanding. That's basically what it is, pretty much. So, and I know that you want to be a medical doctor, but <laughs> if you really enjoy yourself in this role, do you see yourself becoming an administrator? Ooh, see, I'm <laughs> going to take your advice and not say anything on that one because okay. I don't want it to kind of come back and bite me in the foot. But so far, I'm just enjoying the ride. I'm enjoying. That's good. Learning myself, learning the students, like really valuing the process of education, every aspect involved, and just kind of seeing, seeing where I end up. Any other sacrifices? I think we pretty much covered. Yeah, most of them are pretty much the primary time. ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> money. Yeah. Yourself. <laughs> yeah, and there's certain things that you can do, you know, to help yourself with those sacrifices. Oh, yeah. You know, um, ask. You know, as far as like the money, like ask, ask, ask. Um, and the other part of the money that you know, maybe we can save that for a future episode. You see, in Kentucky and Maryland and all these different states, and I think Mississippi is having some issues with uh, oh, yeah. teacher pay and. Um, you know, yeah, and that's that they're you know strikes and whatnot. So that's that's the other sacrifice. It's like, hey, you do realize that I'm an intelligent, uh, <laughs> right. highly educated, highly motivated, very ambitious individual. I didn't have to do this. This right. was a calling. I could take the same intelligence and ability to learn very quickly over in a different you know sector or industry and make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I don't know. I, I just don't get the decisions that a lot of these lawmakers and politicians like what makes them so special that they get to determine what the budget is and what kids need and how to best motivate teachers. And right. And I have you met a child or a teacher? You've never stood in a classroom. Right. Like, you've exactly. never been there. You've never put together a lesson plan. You've yeah, you know, you've not a, never graded an essay. Like what gives you the right? You know, but nevertheless. I'll save that rant for future episodes. Somebody has to be the bad guy. Someone does. Um, so last question, let me ask you this. As a black scholar yourself, mm-hmm. what do you think we need to improve the profession for black educators? I think we first really need to improve on acknowledging the power of our presence in education. Like that is extremely important and not just being there, but how are you advocating for these kids while you're there? Because for me, um, yeah, I think that's extremely important. You don't really understand how much it means to a child to see someone teaching in front of them that looks like them or can say, I've been through something you've been through. Or when these tests are giving me (laughs) passages about kids I've never heard about different parts of the world, how can you relate that to me to where I can understand but still meet this standard like they want me to? I think that's extremely important. Yeah, that's huge. Let me ask you this. Let me follow up with this. In your own education, K through 12, let's even include undergrad. How many how many African American teachers did you have? 
K through 12. K through 12. <clears throat> yeah. Not including undergrad. I want to say one. And I remember her. Her name is Miss Cage. <laughs> What'd she teach? She taught, I think she taught me third and fifth grade. Like fifth grade has always been a soft slide for me. And um, how many black male teachers did you have K through 12? None. My first black male and only black male teacher was when I got to college. He was my undergrad um, department head, Dr. Eugene Dunkley. <laughs> One, middle school. I lied. I'm so sorry. I forgot about Ms. Joyner and Mr. Otis. What'd they teach? <laughs> that was the reason. Science and math. They're the only reason I love science and math in middle school. At John P. Freeman. Good, good. I love them. It was hard when I got there. Oh, my God, it was so hard, but... They made it worth it. <laughs> they made it worth it. 100 days trying to figure out how early I got to get to school is to beat some people to the copy machine. One little boy going to ask me, hey, Mr. Brown, why is your hair everywhere? Because my life is everywhere, son. One of the administrators is going to tell me I'm about to get a write-up. I'm glad you call it a write-up because whatever you write down, I'm going to tear it right up. This ain't an accomplishment. This is just a reminder that I'm burning out. Sometimes the highlight of my day is snatching a note that a student wrote to another student and reading it at my desk. Sad but true. One little girl gonna ask me a question. I said no why she was asking the question. Mr. Brown, you don't even know what it was. Yeah, but I know what it ain't. This is how I call the roll now. Hey, who absent? Is this the 100 day of school or just a few weeks closer to spring break? One of the academic coaches is gonna see me in the hallway and gonna ask me to pick up a piece of paper. Uh... Who are you talking to? Your hands work just as good as mine. Thank God I've been to school all this time. I ain't got sick yet. My kid was taking the test yesterday and little boy coughed on his paper. I threw the red pen at him and told him just to put a 75 on it because I already put it in the grade book. And then throw it away. I can't afford to get sick. One quote that I live by is to whom much is given, much is required. Definitely. I even heard it from my track coach. He used to tell me that all the time and... I was like, well, you just want me to do stuff because, you know, <laughs> this or I'm that. And he really sat down explaining to me because I was at a Christian college and he knew a lot of my background and what it took for me to even get to school and mm -hmm. just a lot of life. And he used to always really pour into me. And I was like, yeah, that is true. And I've heard it like from several instances from different people. So I definitely live by that. Awesome quote. And is there any um, book or article or maybe another podcast or anything that you would recommend other educators listen to or read? I don't have a book or a podcast, but I really love talks. And one that I really like listening to was Rita Pearson. Her title, Every Kid Needs a Champion. Oh, yeah, I've seen that one. That was really good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. TED Talks. Nice. You know, TED Talks actually has a podcast, several podcasts. I think they did. Yeah, yeah, they got several podcasts, and of course, you can watch them all on YouTube as well, too. So, <laughs> yeah, that's dope. Any last words for black educators out there? No, just continue to be great. I mean, I just I love the fact that we're even for you to give the opportunity to even have a podcast for black educators. I think once the more we come together and really talk it out, we can come up with solutions to some of the problems that we're noticing and actually make an effective community difference and not just in school by school. Thank you for listening to the Black Scholars Podcast. For more information, Sometimes go to blackscholarspublishing.com. You just gotta go. You will never know what you could ever be if you never try. You will never
overseas. Stayed in Africa, we ain't never leave. So the one no slave in our history. One no slave ships, one no misery. 